Father, we just want to say thank you once again for the opportunity to be here and Lord, to sing just things like I exalt thee. Lord, the opportunity to lift your name high and to proclaim to everyone around us and to the world and even in reminding of ourselves who you are and what you should mean to us. Jesus, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives this morning as we gather together as a group of believers. Well, like Nicole said, we're not, we're not limited to a place. Thank you, God, for not making us go on these crazy journeys to, to climb mountains and do these impossible tasks. But God, you came down, your, your, your son Jesus came down to do the impossible task for us. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. Lord, he did everything that needed to be done so that we could have access to you anywhere, any place, anytime. And that includes right now in this moment. So God, as we come to you, and as we continue to offer ourselves to you, I ask that you would speak and work and move in our lives in mighty, mighty ways. Lord, I don't know about everybody else here, but Lord, I feel like today's just a day. I just need a special touch from you. And Lord, we have faith to know that you are more than able. And we call on the name of Jesus to come and visit with us today to do the work in our lives that needs to be done. And Lord, we pray that all the praise and honor and glory would be given to you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Before you seated, I know everybody's in a hurry. Let's, uh, let's take time to read this together, <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer. And it says, in this manner, therefore pray, join with me, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Well, we're here, and today is by far probably the most difficult portion of the Lord's Prayer that we will talk about. It is going to be the hardest for us to live out in our lives for various reasons, but we're talking about forgive us of our debts <clears throat> as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Extremely difficult. It's amazing how many times we've said the Lord's Prayer and we like bank on this like this is important. We would say that we believe in it. We would say that we support it, that, that we pray this and that we mean it whenever we pray it. But when it actually comes down to the simple aspect of seeking forgiveness of sin and forgiving others as they sin against us. It's one of the most difficult things that we will struggle with 
in our humanity, probably a lot more in our culture from, from the way that we're taught, the way that media tells us how we should react and respond. You know, revenge is kind of glorified in our culture, getting back at people, having the last word, uh, having the final say. All those things are glorified and talked about and really promoted. And so today, uh, this is going to be extremely hard. Most of us in here, if you've been wronged by somebody in your life, if you've been hurt by somebody, maybe it's not even necessarily something that happened to you, but someone did something to someone you loved, and there's still something there that you haven't let go of. And you'll say, well, James, you don't know what it's like. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they did to the person I love. You don't understand how they treated us. You don't understand what's going on. And you're right. I probably don't. But also understanding that inside this room, there's 65 people this morning. I counted y'all before I got up here. 65 people. And every person in here is in that same boat. Maybe not the same as you, but every person in here has been hurt and wronged by someone in their life. Most of the time, we get hurt and wronged by the people we love more than anyone else, right? I mean, it's always the people closest to us who hurt us the most, especially family. And if you haven't been wronged or hurt by a family member, you're, you're, you're the minority for sure. And we can sit here and say, well, you don't understand. It was so different, and it may be true. Your situation may be very different. But I want us to understand as we come into this today that we have to look beyond what we are capable of. And we have to look to God and have faith in him as to for what he is capable of. Does that make sense? All right. So let's just get into this. Point number one, you need forgiveness. Write this down, take a picture, keep this with you. You need forgiveness. This is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. And to understand this, when you you get this model of prayer that Jesus gives his disciples, okay, you have to understand this is not just a one-time prayer, but Jesus said, when you do pray, pray like this, right? So it's inferring that when you pray, which you should be praying continuously, You should pray not only at least once a day, but probably multiple times a day. But when you pray, pray in this manner as that you're going to repeat this. And you don't necessarily just recite the Lord's Prayer, but it's a model upon which you go by. And just like last week, we talked about give us this day our daily bread, knowing that God knows our needs. He wants to provide our needs, and he's already given you everything that you need to succeed spiritually And he's even promised to give you everything that you need physically. He wants to take care of you on a day-to-day-to-day basis. Remember, we talked about don't think too far ahead. So this is something that we should be praying every day. And then we get to this point where we pray and say, forgive us of our sins. That there needs to be an understanding for us in our lives that we need forgiveness of our sins. We need forgiveness of the things that we've done to go against God's will, what he wants for our lives. And this is super important for us to understand because if you're living your life and you're living in habitual sin, where it means like you're sinning every day, you know that it's wrong, but yet you're doing it anyway, you really need to step back 
and to take into account whether or not you are truly a Christian. That's tough, but it's truth. Because from what I read in Scripture, from what Scripture reaffirms over and over again, is that we talked about last week. God's given us everything that we need to overcome and succeed spiritually. It's already been given. But it's up to us to seek it and to claim it and and to allow God to work and move in our life to make sure that we receive that. All right? So if you're living in habitual sin, it's a pretty dangerous place to be. I'm not going to say that you're not saved, but man, it's a scary place to be. Like you're crossing a line into darkness that doesn't need to be played with. Because habitual sin leads you away from the Lord. God can have no part of sin. Sin cannot enter into heaven. Where do we all want to go? We want to go to be with God in heaven. And then there's some of you, you might be in here today, and you're not living in habitual sin, but there are things in your life, temptations that you're struggling with, and you're battling them. Okay, you're like, you're like, okay, God, like, you know, I'm struggling with this, help me with this, and like, you'll do good for a while, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself, and we like to use the term fall, like we fall into temptation, but a lot of times, if we were really honest, we'd say, okay, like, we, we, we put out our hand to be led back into it a lot of times, because we do. You know, if we didn't want to do it, it wouldn't be tempting, right? There's something inside of you that wants to do it, so therefore, you're tempted by it, and you you're like, okay, I don't really want to, but then you allow yourself to be led into it. And there could be sin in your life like that. There could also be sin in your life like you did something in the past <clears throat> that you have not repented of and that you might be living a really holy life right now and you might be living for the Lord and, and you might feel like everything's the way that it needs to be, <clears throat> but there might be something in your past that, that you need to seek God and repent and ask forgiveness for And David talks about that, King David, when he writes a psalm, Lord, if there's sin in my heart, reveal it to me so that I can go and repent it. So there might even be sin that you're not even aware of. There might be something that you did a long time ago you know that you're already aware of it and you know it needs to be resolved. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's very important for us to understand We cannot be pleasing to God as long as there's sin present in our lives. We can't have a true relationship with God as long as there's sin present in our lives. And so when we talk about this, and Jesus says, when you pray, you need to ask God. You need to seek forgiveness. Because in order to pursue God, in order to draw near to him, that has to be removed so that there's no barrier between you and the Lord. 1 John chapter 1, verses 9-10. through The author writes, he says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Anybody in here without sin? We're all sinners. I mean, this this is like... This is number one, point number one for what it means to be saved. Admit that you're a sinner. Admitting that we're a sinner, admitting we have sin in our life, seeking the Lord and asking him to forgive us and remove that sin. And if we do not, if we refuse to admit that, we're calling God a liar. 
there's a very prominent politician who claims to be a Christian who says, I don't ask God forgiveness of sins. I don't feel like I need forgiveness for what I've done. That's dangerous. I don't understand how you could read God's word and claim to be a follower of Christ and not seek forgiveness for your sins. That doesn't add up to me according to scripture that we have. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, Peter is preaching at the temple once the church is getting started. He says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come to the presence from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. But you have to see here that in order for your sins to be wiped away, they need to be confessed. You have to like confess them to the Lord, repent of them so that they can be wiped away. Because you're sitting here this morning, you need to understand, God wants to wipe away your sins. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to make you righteous. He wants to bring you out of the world, but he cannot do that as long as you're hanging on to the sin in your life. If you're being prideful and just not repenting of it, refusing to admit it's wrong, or if you're just allowing yourself to continually be led down the road into sin, you can't be pleasing to the Lord and you can't have those things wiped away. Verse 20, he says, Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. But the presence of the Lord cannot come until the sins are wiped away. You you tracking? You following it? I mean, like the sin has to be removed for the presence of the Lord to be able to come into our life. If you read in the Old Testament and you look at all the things that they had to do to purify and cleanse themselves so that the presence of the Lord could come down and dwell among them, the same thing needs to be done in our personal lives to be cleansed from sin. Proverbs 28 verse 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So you see from Old Testament to New Testament, the whole concept of confessing our sins, repenting of them, and seeking forgiveness is found all the way through Scripture. James chapter 5 verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so James writes and he talks about, look, it's not even a matter of confessing your sins to God. I mean, think about this. We confess our sins to the Lord, right? We say, God, please forgive me. Most of us do that. I mean, if you even like halfway want to be pleasing to the Lord, you're going to seek him. You're going to ask for forgiveness. Very few people in America actually practice confessing our sins to one another. When I was coming through youth, and when Greg was my youth pastor, one of the big things that was talked about back then, you don't really hear it talked about anymore, but I I, I still talk about it a good bit because it was one of the most influential, beneficial things in my life, accountability. And they used to tell, tell people, like, when you're a Christian, you need an accountability partner. You need someone that you can talk to and that you can talk about, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And we do it with, it's funny, we do it with prayers like, oh, I hurt my big toe, pray for my toe. Like, we'll ask for crazy stuff like that. Pray for me, pray for this, my bunion, you know, know, all this crazy stuff. But when it comes to sin, we do not talk about our sins because our spiritual lives in America are promoted as being this very personal, secret thing. You You ever get that feeling? 
Like when you start talking to people about their spiritual life, they like soul up, throw up the wall and like, nope, this is, this is, you've extended yourself beyond the barrier of what I'm willing to allow you in. But as a teenager, it was promoted to us to find an accountability partner so that you could confess and talk about some of the sins that you're struggling with in your life. And we'll tell you guys, it's one thing to, to sit down or pray and say, God, forgive me for what I did, and then there's only you and the Lord. And, and, and sometimes we treat God like, like, like we're toddlers. You know, we talked about that last week, like we're all big kids when it comes to God. Like Perry, he's three. He's in this stage right now where it's like, if, if, if he don't look at you, then you can't see him. So he sits in the back and he like does all this stuff and he's like doing stuff. He's like, Perry, stop doing that. He's like, you can't see me. And he'll say it. You can't be like, no, just because that you're not looking at this doesn't mean that we can't still see you. And it's really funny how like in the midst of sin and temptation, we act like God can't see, God can't see us. Like we're going to hide this from him. We're going to be okay. Like we can conceal this. It's not a big deal. And then as soon as it's over with, we feel guilt and shame. And it's one thing to confess it to the Lord, even though we're trying to hide it from him, but it's another thing whenever you sit down across the table from somebody and you say, I need you to pray for me because this is what I'm struggling with, and you start confessing your sins and temptations and struggles to them, and you got to see their face. And you see their reaction, and you see their disappointment, and you see their frustration, especially after you've been accountability partners for a while. And then you go back and like months later, you're still struggling with the same thing. You haven't made any advances in it. And they're just like, what's wrong with you? It's totally different to sit down and confess your sins to someone else. But James talks about it in his book, in his epistle. Because in order for us to really receive healing, we need to confess our sins. But it's not just a matter of confessing our sin to God, but it's also confessing our sins to one another. There's power in that. Satan wants you to keep your sins and your temptations and everything that you're going through in your life, he wants you to keep it a secret. He wants you to keep it bottled up because he knows as long as he keeps you isolated, he has more power and influence in your life. But as soon as we start confessing those things and we bring them to light, it frees us from the bondage of those sins to allow God to work and move more in our lives. And, and, And Peter Oh, I'm sorry, James talks about that. He says, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he starts talking about, because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. But you can't be righteous as long as sin is present in your life. Sin has to be removed. God has the ability to remove it. He's already provided everything that you need in order to remove it. The rest is left up to us to seek him and to receive what we need in order to remove it from our lives. And we don't always like the answer of what that means. But the more you hide it and the more you keep it concealed, the more you're going to struggle with it. When we confess our sins and we bring them to light and we we confess them to the Lord and we confess them to other believers, that's when the healing process begins. That's when we open up the door for God to come in and move. Point number two. And this is the hard part. Your forgiveness comes with a contingency. And many of us are sitting in here today, and you're going to automatically kind of be up in arms about this. Because when you start talking about salvation, salvation is a free gift from 
God, right? Forgiveness of sin. And there will be people who will argue and talk about how, you know, when you're saved, you're forgiven of your past, present, future sins and talk about the theology behind that. And I feel like whenever you start talking about that, there's half-truths in all of that. Does that make sense? Like, like there's, there's, some, there's some things that are true about that statement. But when you start reading Scripture as a whole, to understand that forgiveness of sin comes with the contingency of a responsibility on our part that we hardly ever talk about. And you see it right there in the Lord's Prayer. Most of us have been repeating the Lord's Prayer our entire lives, and we've never really paid a whole lot of attention to what we're talking about today. But to see what it says, forgive us as we forgive those. And so Jesus talks about when you pray, pray that God would forgive you for your sins, your trespasses, your debts, as you forgive those who sin, trespass, or have debts with you. And we neglect that a lot. And and, and you may be sitting here this morning saying, okay, James, you're reading into this too much. This is just like one passage. Let's look at all the passages that reaffirm this. Not only passages that, that is throughout Scripture as a whole, but especially the passages of Jesus teaching as he is teaching us how to pray. So Luke chapter 37, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 38. Don't judge others. We like that, right? Everybody like that? Don't judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. You see the contingency right there? Now, in verse 38, he goes on, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. There's Jesus teaching. He's talking about there's some contingencies in this. There's some expectations for you as a believer. And so when we talk about salvation, I think it's really important that that we touch back on this. We take about three steps back now. We talk about salvation. I do think it's very important to understand that salvation is a free gift from God. When you seek Christ to come into your heart and life, it is free. He comes in. He offers forgiveness of sin. Man, when I got saved, I felt like I was forgiven for the world. Like, I felt like the weight of the world was lifted off my chest. I'd always felt guilty, always had trouble sleeping at night, always just had so much going on in my life that I had a really hard time like dealing with and processing because I didn't feel like I was that bad of a person. And yet there was guilt. And then whenever I received salvation, it was so freeing. And at the same time, once I got saved, God continued to work in my life and there was cultivation and a lot of hoeing. And, and you know, it's like when you think about gardening, it's a lot of work. I did it one year, hated it, said I'd never do it again. I'll just go buy my stuff. I don't care. But there's a lot of hoeing that had to be done in my life. There was a lot of weeds that needed to be removed from my life. And guess what? And you have a garden and you could have it perfect. You start out in the spring <clears throat> and it looks good and it's all dirt and the only things popping up is your plants but on towards the middle of the summer and down into the fall you have weeds popping up everywhere and if you really want to keep it nice and clean and make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be you got to get in there and dig all that stuff out and so throughout the process of my salvation God has continually been digging weeds out and guess what new weeds pop up and he comes back and he starts having to hoe them out again and, and there's still weeds can I be honest and say that I still got weeds and it stinks, too, because when he gets that hoe out, it starts to hurt. 
He starts digging around. It's painful. But when you start talking about what it means to be a true follower of Christ, you can receive Christ into your heart. You can receive forgiveness, and God can forgive you of all that. But to understand that your relationship with Christ is a lifelong thing, as long as you live and breathe, there's an understanding of the expectations that God has on your life until the day you cease to live, until you go be with him in eternity. And what we're talking about here is what God wants to do in us over the longevity of our relationship with Christ, not just initially, but to understand that once you get saved, there's some stuff that needs to happen after salvation too. God wants to continue to work and move in your life. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, it says, Since God chose you to be holy people he loves... He chose you to be holy. He wants you to be holy. You must clothe yourselves <clears throat> with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, most of those are fruits of the Spirit. And so those things don't necessarily come when you get saved. Those are things that God brings about in your life through the cultivation, through the growth process, through the receiving of the Holy Spirit in your life to give you the ability to be these things. Because how many of you find yourselves to be tenderhearted, merciful, kind, humble, gentleness, and patient? Like we would like to think that we are. Some of us are sitting here, I'm some of those things. But most of us in here probably aren't patient. Anybody ever pray for patience? Because you realize I'm not a very patient person. Then you pray for patience and then God wrecks your life and makes it miserable. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now we're developing patience, but life stinks because I'm having to be patient and wait on all this stuff to work out. It's like, you want to be patient? Let me give you the opportunity to be patient. Those things are not natural to us, but we have to clothe ourselves with them. When you get up in the morning, and you step out of bed, do your clothes just magically get on themselves? We're not there yet. It'd be awesome if we had Iron Man suits that just like put themselves on, but they don't. You got to get out of bed. You got to get ready. You got to clothe yourselves with whatever you have to wear going out into the day based off of whatever it is that you're going to do. If you're going to work, you put on your work clothes. You go to school, you put on your school clothes. Going to church, put on your church clothes. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, that's what you dress for. And the author is writing, he's talking about clothe yourselves with these things because you need to prepare yourself for what you're going out to do. It's not going to be natural. You're not just going to wake up and just automatically be ready for this. You've got to clothe yourselves with these things. And in verse 13, Paul continues on and he says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. And that sounds easy. But it's not easy, is it? You ever been wrong before? It stinks. And it's not easy to forgive. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There's an expectation in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ that we are expected to forgive others because Christ forgave us we did not have to accomplish some crazy, impossible task in order to be with the Lord, but he did everything for us. Instead of God making us come to him, he came down to us. Instead of God trying, wanting us to, to pretend like we are more God-like, he came down in human form to be more human-like, to show us the way. He made it possible through his sacrifice. 
Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now let me share this with you today. If you cannot forgive, you are never going to be able to have a friendship. You're never going to be able to have a relationship. You're never going to be able to have a family. You're never going to be able to have a church. You're never going to be able to have a team. You're never going to be able to have anything. Because people make up all those things. And all those people that we're talking about are going to wrong you or hurt you at some point in time, right? We have to love and make allowance for each other's faults in order to be who God has called us to be so that we can live in peace, so that we can live in unity because we're not always going to do what's right. And guess what? When someone hurts you, it may hurt really bad, right? Because that's what hurt means, to get hurt. But you're going to do the same thing to them eventually whether you mean to or not. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, it's a reciprocating thing. It goes back and forth and we are eventually going to hurt one another And we have to be not okay with that, but we have to understand that we have to be willing to forgive one another because that's what Christ has called us to do because he's called us to maintain relationships. And I say that because even in the body of Christ, in like the 20 years I've been doing ministry now, I just see people constantly who's like, yeah, I was going to this church, but then this happened and, you know, these people did this or they hurt our feelings or they said this or we weren't happy here or... They, they decided to do this, and we just didn't agree with that. It's just like, <clears throat> and it's not like I look down on those people, but I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, you're just going to be moving churches for the rest of your life because it don't matter where you go. I mean, and I tell people all the time, if I talk to people like that, I'm like, well, don't come to Graham because I know eventually one of us is going to do something, make you mad, make a decision, do something that you're not going to be happy with because that's the way the world is. And I tell people, we did marriage counseling this week with a couple, premarital counseling and I told him I was like don't get married if you think it's going to be perfect it's just going to be all apple pie because you're you're going to come today where you're going to get mad you're going to hurt each other something's going to be done and you have to be you gonna have to make that decision am I going to stick with this am I going to do this or are we parting ways and we just going to give up on it there's an understanding of what forgiveness means and the expectation in our life Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Luke chapter 7, verses 3 through 4, so watch yourselves. You got to watch yourselves. You're not as predictable as you think. Wednesday nights, we've been doing our Bible studies, and the disciples swore oaths, we would never abandon you. We'll never forsake you. Peter said, I would never deny you. I'll die with you, Lord. Swore oaths on it. We're not as predictable as we like to think. And he goes on to say, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. You with me this morning? This is not a call for you to just let people take advantage of you. As a Christian, you don't have to be weak. Yeah, I heard this thing about, you know, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And it doesn't mean like if you're meek that you're weak. But they were talking about how meek 
is someone who, who has a weapon and knows how to use it, but, but chooses to keep their weapon put up only until it's absolutely necessary. And so when you start talking about this, it's very important for us to understand as Christians, the world's going to try to say, well, you're letting that person take advantage of you. You're being weak or you're just being passive or you're afraid to do something about it. No, 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 no. This is the teaching of Christ. We have to look beyond the world and what the world understands. And it's not a call to let someone take advantage of you over and over and over again, but it's a call to protect yourself. So he said right here in Luke, rebuke that person. Then if there's repentance, forgive. So you don't have to be weak in order to forgive someone. He even calls us to rebuke people. Even if that person wronged you seven times a day. Seven times a day. And each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. In Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22... Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Anybody good at math? Anybody know how much that is? 490. We've got a genius over here. Math prodigy. 490. If you're actually just taking it literal, once you get to 490 times, who's really keeping count after that? All right? But you have, to, you have to make a decision in your life like, okay, how serious is Jesus being about this? If someone really wrongs us 490 times, should we really forgive them every single time? If you look at scripture, it's really interesting to see how numbers are. Sometimes numbers can be very literal in scripture, and then sometimes numbers can be very representative of something else. And so when you read the book of Matthew, understanding that Matthew was the gospel written specifically to Jewish people. And among the Jewish and Hebrew people, numbers have very significant meanings to them. So the number seven, for instance, to a Jewish person was also understood (coughs) to be this kind of round figure that represents the fullness or completeness of something. So fully and completely, so if someone sins against you, not just seven times, not just fully or completely, but 70 times seven. And so then you look at, okay, well, 70 is a multiple of seven, but it's also a multiple of 10. And then you look at the number of 10, and the Hebrew people understood that as the representation of God's authority his completeness, his order, and his divine perfection. And so when Jesus is saying, like, forgive someone seven times 70, it's I mean, you could take it as 490 times because that's a lot. That's probably more than most, that's probably more than someone could even possibly offend you. You ever heard the saying, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me? It's like if you let somebody offend you 490 times, that's your fault. It's not a matter of just letting people walk over you. You know, you shouldn't let people just like continually wrong you and setting yourself up to be offended over and over and over again. But guard yourself. Rebuke them for what they've done. Guard yourself. Don't let it happen again. They might offend you in a different way, but don't, let, don't just let them offend you in the same way over and over and over again. That's crazy. But the point is, is to be willing to forgive them, not just a whole bunch of times, but completely 
fully under the authority and under the, the, the unity and the completeness of God, that that is what we are called as Christians to do. Fully, completely underneath God's authority to forgive. And that's really hard. And like I said earlier, there's probably several of you here. And you're just saying, in your mind, it's like, you don't even get it. You do not get it. You do not understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they said to me. You don't understand what they did to my loved one. <clears throat> it's not that easy. And it's not. Like, I, I'm not a fool. I, I'm not standing up here this morning and telling you that you're a terrible person because you can't forgive them. You can ask my wife. She's had to help me, like, with years of stuff, like people who wronged me that I'm still, like, you know, on one day I might think, oh, I think I've kind of forgiven them. And like two days later, I'm like, I still don't like them. And it's a struggle. And I want to tell you that no matter what was done to you, no matter what was done to the person you love, it is not within your ability to truly forgive them. You with me today? You, you can't do it. You don't have the ability to truly completely forgive someone like God can. And so these are the times in our life where we have to take a step back. And if you're really serious about your relationship with God and you want to grow with him and you want to advance your relationship with him, you need to sit here this morning and say, okay, God, I can't do this. I cannot forgive them. I can't overcome. I can't look past what they did. And just acknowledging and admitting that it's not within your power, but God, I know and I have faith that you can help me to do that. And that's painful because you have to come to the point in your life where you're willing to say, I want to forgive them, but I can't. I want to have a good relationship with Christ, but you're not going to be able to until you do forgive. You're not going to be able to be truly forgiven in the eyes of God until you are able to forgive. You with me this morning? The 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 probably seven verses of scripture that I just gave you are so important in helping us understand what is required of us to truly have a close, personal, strong relationship with the Lord and being forgiven of our sins and having them wiped and washed away so that we can approach him is so detrimental to that. If that doesn't happen, we can't approach him. We can't have righteousness. We can't have holiness. We can't have that relationship with God as long as there's sin in our lives. And to understand that we don't even have the ability to do it. But the great thing is, is that Jesus never expected you to just do it on your own. He's already provided everything that you need to spiritually succeed. Right? We have to have faith in that. And you might be sitting here this morning and you say, God, I can't forgive them. And there's something in me that doesn't want to forgive them. So God, help me to get there. Help me to get there. Help me to get to the point where I'm willing and want to <clears throat> not only forgive that person, but love them beyond that. You know, there's a great story where this, this man... <laughs> He is a grown man. Goes into an Amish school <clears throat> and he kills several of the kids and 
I think one of the teachers was actually one of the wife of somebody and her kid was in the school and he, he shoots this guy's kid. He shoots the teacher. And then after it was all said and done, like the Amish community came together and the wife of the man who did the shooting had no money, was left at home with kids. That community took up money paid for the funeral of the man who did the shooting, attended the funeral. There was nobody else there. And when you talk about what it means to truly forgive and what it means to to look beyond what was done to you, there's no greater example than that. And if God can lead people to do that, know that in your life God can lead you to do the same, and it may not be something exactly like that, but know today that God is powerful enough to use you beyond what you think he can do in your life, even in the realm of forgiveness. We love the Lord's Prayer. We say it all the time. Even when I wasn't a Christian growing up at every game, every sporting event, we prayed it. And it's really funny how we cling to that And most everybody kind of knows it. And what's really funny in verse 13, after the Lord's Prayer, you know, because we stop at, for yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then we stop right there, verse 12. That's the end. But what we forget so many times is verses 14 through 15. And it goes on to say, if you forgive those who sin against you, Your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And these are the words of Christ. And it doesn't mean that they hold any more value than any of the rest of Scripture. I just want you to know that we, we started out using this passage, the Lord's Prayer, as why we need to talk about it. And we affirmed it with seven or eight other verses of of New Testament authors who were talking about, who are reaffirming this teaching that Christ had. And then Jesus went back, and you need to understand this because he didn't go back and reaffirm anything else about the Lord's Prayer. But in verses 14 and 15, he goes back and says, because if you don't forgive, your sins will not be forgiven. And he wanted to make that clear and clarify that. And so if you're sitting here this morning... And there's sin in your life, whether it's habitual, whether it's at random times, whether there's something that you like sitting here today and God just reminded you of that thing that happened a long time ago that you need to make that right. Don't fail to make it right because we need forgiveness of sin. And do not neglect the calling on our lives to be willing to forgive others. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. But Christ can bring us to the point where we can do that if we call on him, if we ask him to help us to get there, ask him to lead us in that. But we have to have faith to pursue that because it's not easy. It will be one of the most difficult things that we do as a believer in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just want to say thank you again for this day.
for the opportunity to be with you. Lord, the opportunity to read your word, to read your teachings. And Lord, just for those days that <coughs> we can talk about this passage, it's so difficult for us to really apply in our life. Jesus, I ask that you would speak into our hearts and lives, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, where we are not able to do these things, that God, you would give us the ability through your Son and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we need you. Lord, we cry out to you. And I pray that you would help us to become the men and women of God that you've called us to be. We love you today and we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen.